This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. And once again, we are in between two big official visit weekends here in Happy Valley. Uh, Ten guys on campus last weekend. We we covered that extensively in our last episode of this podcast. Another large group coming to campus this weekend to wrap up these June visits. It's going to be the weekend where in the centerpiece of everything is these large group of commitments. They finally get to reunite. Some of them have been to campus. Some of them have not been to campus this month, but a lot of them are going to be there front and center, get those family vibes, going to have some targets on campus, try to extend the love to that group. And we'll see where it goes from there as we get into July. Um, Sean and myself anticipate talking about plenty of commitments as the summer continues. We've got one to discuss on this episode, Sean, and it is the first of June since the dead period it ended in college football recruiting. And it's a name that if you were going down the list and applying odds to who we thought would be that first June commitment, good luck finding Tyler Johnson on that list at a Magna Vista High School in Ridgeway, Virginia. Things move quickly for him. A couple of visits in the past week, a really impressive workout session, and ultimately his verbal pledge. Well, we, you clearly did not listen to the interview with Don and I because we were talking about racing for the crystal ball if Tyler Johnson got the go-ahead, and that's that's what happened. They had him in for a workout last week, really impressed the staff, uh, went 4-4-5-ish uh, in the uh, 40 shuttle did a shuttle really well broad jump did everything really well caught the ball really well um these these workouts are interesting because it's not you know it's a camp combine workout but at the same time it's not like he's got uh Bo Perbula throwing the ball or something like that 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 you would have in a typical camp so he's out there and it's you know it's it's a glimpse of what he can do and that they saw a glimpse of his potential this is a kid if if you look at a map you're probably not going to find his high school it's uh you know like uh Martinsville, I think, is the area between Martinsville and Greensboro, um, which there's not a lot going on down there. Um, but I guess we can label him as a, as a diamond in the rough type guy. And that's what they see in him is as a guy that got passed up because he didn't get to play football in the fall at 12 touchdowns as a spring um, or excuse me, 12 touchdowns in the spring as a junior. Um, so very productive. Um, but yeah, just really overlooked by a lot of schools and Penn State got him on campus. Uh, they actually offered him first uh, a couple of weeks ago, got him on campus, and they were like, wow, that they were genuinely surprised that his athletic numbers stuck up to to, to where they thought the, the you know, probably the highest end of his uh, of his potential numbers. So um, intrigued to see what kind of development he has left um, because he's not a finished product whatsoever. Um, probably going to be a guy that comes in, has to build up a little bit, red shirt, et cetera. But um, I look at the receiver class right now, and they've got Anthony Ivian, who's great. Uh, Caden Saunders is great. Um, I'm not going to put Tyler Johnson on that level. 
I don't think it'd be fair to any of those guys to do so. Mikai Flowers could still play there. So they keep adding guys, adding athletes, adding speed on the outside. And for them to take a guy like Johnson with, with Darius Clemens still on the board, Christian Driver still out there. Um, you know, some other guys are, are still batting around. Nick Anderson was up for an official visit last weekend. Um, so for them to give him the go ahead says to me that they've, they, they think he can fit in on this roster and think he can produce in the future. So very curious to see what the, what the next few years hold for Mr. Johnson, but he is excited to be here. He talked to Brian Doan about that yesterday. We had a story up on the site uh, with with his comments. He's a multi-sport kid, uh, yes sir, no sir type kid. Uh, you know, they, they they think they found a good one here. You referenced the the testing numbers that he was able to produce on campus during recent days, and and what that did for the Penn State staff in getting to this point and feeling comfortable about this decision. Uh, at six foot, one hundred seventy five pounds, Johnson averaged about thirty three yards per catch last year. You got a factor in competition, but you turn on the film, you can see that speed. You can see that translated apparently for the Penn State staff in a big way when they got their stopwatches out. Just looking at his recruitment and and, and kind of how quickly things had developed for him, Sean. You mentioned he had the spring junior season so that's going to set you back a little bit and getting fresh tape out there um the pandemic situation is going to set you back in this case as well but johnson just exiting april he had a couple power five offers he had a few he had syracuse wake forest vanderbilt and duke uh, on his offer sheet you know some strong academic schools in that mix as well power five schools nonetheless but not at that top tier that we see penn state competing against uh, for a lot of the guys who are in this class or they hope to get in this class the other offers at that point Old Dominion, Appalachian State. Uh, he had Campbell, uh, Coastal Carolina. So things moved in a big way for him in May. Penn State offered on the 18th, then Virginia Tech offered, then Virginia offered, then Maryland offered, Purdue has since offered. So you started to see some ACC, some Big Ten momentum. Uh, Penn State, uh, without even you know having to see this kid go check out other campuses, able to get him to campus, verify what they need to do, say, okay, this offer is committable. He says, well, I'm ready to do that. And now we get to the finish line. And Sean, this is not a glamorous name. This is not a marquee name. That's been a bit of a theme for recent pickups in this Penn State class. Talk about that in a moment. But what do you make of Tyler Johnson, um, a guy who, you know, frankly, was not on our radar just a few months ago when we were anticipating a busy summer? Now we're here and he is the first guy to pop in June. Well, it's, it, first off, it's really cool to see some of these spring guys getting some more attention. Um, you know, it, this this calendar is so fragmented that you, you, you're you not sure when the waves of offers are going to come and things like that. Um, what's interesting to me, Penn State got in there ahead of Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, that says something in the sense that, you know, Virginia and Virginia Tech still decided to offer. Um, so I mean, sometimes when you've got a situation like this, you offering a what you assume is some sort of diamond in the rough and the in-state schools aren't offering, that's kind of a red flag. Uh, this is kind of a different situation where you've got uh, you know Penn State jumping in before the in-state schools and then the in-state schools follow suit. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I'm communicating what I'm trying to get across here in that it's it's not like this is a kid that the, the in-state schools are scoffing at. You know, there, there, there are times when, you know, Schools come into Pennsylvania, they offer a kid and, and Penn State doesn't move on them. Sometimes Pitt doesn't move on them. Um, and that, to me, is, is a red flag there. And typically, it, it ends up that that kid doesn't produce at this next school. Um, I always go, Sean, I always go, a Florida school kid, a Florida high school kid with none of the big three offers on the table. That's always a concern. Exactly. And you, and you look at what Penn State's recruiting in Florida right now and and the guys that they're going after, Wesley Besaints, and uh, they just had Zane Duran up, have 
committable Miami offers, Florida State offers. Florida State's doing really well on the trail, by the way. Um, Florida is, 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 of course, killing it. Um, so, yeah, you've got these guys that have options in their home state. And I think that that says something. And I know Virginia Tech and Virginia are not the measuring stick whatsoever, but they are the in-state quote unquote powers, no offense to Ricky Ronnie, but Ricky Ronnie uh, offered him as well at Old Dominion. Um, so it's, it, it's, that's one of those things that I factor in when you're talking about stealing a quote unquote diamond in the rough uh, or whatever. So, and, and that's, that's an easy crutch to fall on is calling a kid a diamond in the rough, especially in the spring slash summer of his junior season. Um, but given where this kid is from, given the competition that he plays and, and you're going to have to factor that in at some point, they, the fact that the numbers came and backed it up says a lot about what they thought. And, and, and on top of that, the, the crowded nature of Penn state's receiver class says they think they got a good one. That's where I also want to go here is Taylor Stubblefield. He's picked up some commitments on the job with Penn state since, since coming on board last January with this staff, but uh, the commitments that he has picked up in this cycle, you know, those recruitments predated his arrival. You know, Jared Parker was the wide receivers coach when some of those offers went out. You talk about Caden Saunders, Makai Flowers, Anthony Ivey. Those are early targets. They had offers from Penn State. They were being recruited by Penn State before Stubblefield showed up. Um, of course, you flip the script. You look at some of the guys they just signed in the last class. Stubblefield played a role there, but couldn't get the in-person uh, evaluations, couldn't go face-to-face with the communications. This is the first of its kind for, for Penn State with Taylor Stubblefield as wide receivers coach, where you are evaluated in person, checking things off your list, getting together as a staff and saying, let's move forward. I think that's notable as well, because we were curious, what would this summer be like for the new staff members? And turns out Stubblefield is the first to pluck up a commitment. And, and as you said, flip the script. Nobody has really flipped the script as much in the last year as Taylor Stubblefield in terms of his reputation, in terms of what he's been able to do, you know, just on the field and as a as a recruiting uh coach, uh, a position coach as a recruiter. Um, so that that's very interesting to me and in that he's earned some trust and he's earned, you know, you, you, t- you look at what's happened and we've talked about Sean Spencer uh, when he was here, got the benefit of the doubt and got a bunch of numbers thrown his way. Well, it seems like Taylor Stubblefield's getting a bit of the benefit of the doubt and they're throwing a little bit no- uh, more numbers his, uh, his way. Now you take into account what Penn state has in the receiver room. And, you know, they brought in that class of five guys, including the, the junior college transfer two years ago, three more guys last year, of course, Lonnie White's still up in the air in terms of what he's going to do. And I think that's probably factoring into the numbers that he's being allotted for this class, but it seems like there's, there's some trust there and it seems like what, Taylor Stubblefield's been able to do with his pupils in a, in a short period of time on campus has earned him some trust, earned him the benefit of the doubt. So I think you're onto something there. Um, that's a personal evaluation for him. Of course, you know, a lot of schools would have taken Caden Saunders. A lot of schools uh, would have taken Anthony Ivy. But for a guy like Tyler Johnson, you just kind of got to tip your hat to, to Stubblefield and say, okay, this one, this one's in your court now. And now we're looking at a situation a week out of July, one third of this entire class potentially is headed to Taylor Stubblefield's wide receiver room. We will figure out where Makai Flowers ends up on a college football field over the next year. It's a, it's a conversation that we've had on this podcast. Will he play safety? I know you think that's, that's probably the high ceiling projection for him. I'm with you, but he continues to impress when he gets a chance to go out there and catch passes in the camp circuit with his high school football squad. So there's something to work with there. It's, we'll see how that swings, but Sean, are you, I guess, how do you kind of 
wrap your head around the fact that there may be as many as nine offensive commitments in this class of 12. Uh, the outliers, of course, being a punter and, and, and Alex Paquetta. Uh, you've got the junior college safety and Tyrese Mills and then Ken Talley out of Philadelphia, who we project to play the edge rusher role. Well, obviously, Penn State's playing off of that 2020 season on the offensive side of the ball and just getting all the juice from that. Fireworks. Everybody wanted to play for that that offense, which which is it's crazy, isn't it? Because like a lot of this class was, um, you know, Saunders was in on board and Ivy was on board. And, and you know, a lot of this class uh, cross Perbula, Yeah, cross, yeah <laughs> we're on board after that bleep show um so no it, it's really funny when you think about that because uh you know the 2022 class in itself coming off the 2021 class didn't make a lot of sense and then when you break it down even further the fact that penn state has their momentum on the offensive side of the ball or has the numbers on the offensive side of the ball is kind of crazy um still some holes out there obviously uh running back needs needs filled offensive line um you know they they, they hope to, to to get some momentum going there soon um but it's uh it's it's pretty crazy and i, I don't have an answer for it to be honest with you just it doesn't make sense we are going to work our, and if you don't have an answer for it, then then nobody does. So uh, we'll we'll put that right there, Sean. When it comes to receiver room, we have a little bit more to get to later here in the show with our mailback question, a really timely question about the ramifications of Johnson joining this class and what that may mean for the plan moving ahead. Um, but as I said, we're not looking at marquee names coming off the board for Penn State here. You know, going back to May when they got three commitments, and now here in June with the commitment. Tyler Johnson, Malik McNeil, uh, uh, Alex Paquetta, Tyrese Mills may go on to have tremendous college careers and beyond. But right now, when you look at the rankings and the ratings and everything that people like to focus in on recruiting, these are not splashy pickups for Penn State. They've had a lot of splashy visitors on campus this month. What do you make of how things are playing out so far? I think that's the cycle and that's where we're at because you haven't had a chance to evaluate these guys. Like I said, there's going to be a bunch of guys that when it gets to the fall or when it gets to uh, maybe even the summer where you go to more of these showcases are, are going to fall. And, and you know, the, the board, this cycle has probably changed more than anything else. I mean, you look at a guy like Andre Roy that was on campus, um, you know, over the weekend as an offensive or the offensive tackle from St. Francis is really wasn't on the radar a couple of months ago. And now all of a sudden he's, right near or at the top of the board as, as far as that offensive tackles go. And he's still a three-star on our list. And I know people, you know, I, I tell you not to to fall in love with the stars, but really that's your guide. I mean, that's, that's what we do and that's what we're trying to do. But I think there's, there's been a lot of movement. There's still a lot of movement to come and probably more so in this cycle than any other. And this is not just Penn state centric, probably more in this cycle than, than any other coaches are, you know, relying on their own observations, relying on their own evaluations. And that doesn't always align with what we see, you know, as, as a recruiting service ranking these players. And by the way, you're going to have the elite 11 finals coming up, the opening finals that all that out in Southern California here in the next couple of weeks, you have other camps going on across campuses, uh, you know, showcase events, we haven't had a, roster, a, a major wide-scale 24-7 sports rankings update uh, for a little while, I think, since late spring. So look for what I would imagine here creeping up in the summer after some of these showcase events. We'll see how things change when it comes to Penn State targets and commits. I will note, Sean, Tyler Johnson kind of just 
giving further evidence of how far his recruitment has come in a short period of time. He does not yet carry a composite ranking. There are just not enough evaluations across the industry right now to apply that composite rating and ranking. Um, as for 24-7 sports, an 87 rating applied to Johnson, a 95, uh, number 95 on the wide receiver breakdown nationally. Uh, again, someone I think that, that we're going to get a chance to have more eyeballs on, and he's certainly now on that radar for further evaluation. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult. We use the ratings and rankings just about everything we do. We, we throw that in there. It's good for the brand and it's very helpful, I think, for our readers and our audience. But this year, more than any, I, I really do caution people, let our evaluators get through this summer showcase period and the camp period, and then really get through these next seasons because a lot of these guys haven't played much football. But really, let's get to August. Let's see where these guys at. And you'll start to have a better foundation of, of exactly who's on the rise, who was rated correctly early, and who's on their way down. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch a lot of those guys that peaked. Not, I don't want to say peaked because there's still you know some some good athletes out there, but guys that were really on the radar very early um, and and really have sort of tumbled. And and I think that that's going to continue because sometimes you get out there, especially pre pandemic, you get out there as a as a good looking kid. You got all this, you know, you you look like you're going to grow into something, and then all of a sudden maybe you stop growing. Maybe the maybe you add weight and the athleticism goes down, something like that. I always remember um, seeing Shaq Smith. I, think I may have talked about this recently either on the podcast on the board, uh, Rayshon Smith, uh, was out of Maryland and I went to a camp and saw him as an eighth grader. I'm like, this kid is unbelievable. And then three or four years later, he's the same size and that's not ideal for, for an edge rusher. And I think he, he ended up going to Clemson, which, and that's the other thing here. These schools are doing the same thing we are in terms of evaluating, projecting, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Went to Clemson, didn't produce, went to Maryland. I don't think he did much at Maryland. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you've got a long, long evaluation uh, time window to do it. And then all of a sudden, it kind of comes crunch time in this this general uh, tiny window. So it's it, it'll yeah. be fun to watch. And, and it's curious to see how some of these guys end up long-term. And that's the fun part about following re- recruiting is you can follow these guys for the next four or five years and, and see what happens. But we've already seen some guys that, you know, sometimes it goes in waves. You, you all of a sudden start and, and pop onto the pop onto the radar, pick up five or six big offers. And then all of a sudden you're riding that as long as you can. And then you get to your junior year, senior year, and maybe it's not all there anymore. So that's, what's interesting to me. And, and then you've got a guy and I'm looking at the, the visitor list this weekend. You got a guy like Anto Saka who just picked up his first offer, I think in February. And then all of a sudden he's got momentum right now. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how that stuff has, has will play itself out. Um, and again, this year, more than any, any other cycle, you're all over the board in terms of evaluations. You're all over the board in terms of, of offer lists. I, like I said, it, it's big. It's very big picked over season. And I'm using the air quotes and I know this is an audio medium, so you're not seeing that. Um, but uh, you, you're seeing schools picking over Penn state. You're seeing schools picked over Alabama and on all these, but all these schools have 200, 300 offers out. So it's, it's really funny in that aspect. Um, you know, some, some people hang their hats on that. Um, but it, it's really a, just a product of the evaluation system that we've seen this cycle. And it's really fascinating to see how that's played out. Some nice additional window dressing to some of these commitments for maybe schools with lo- less clout. And they look at the offer sheet for the kid and they say, yeah, over I, I, that phrasing is definitely interesting when it is applied, Sean, to your point. Um, we just spent a lot of time, you know, kind of, 
offering up some perspective here for the 2022 cycle. And I would also say, I still think this, this senior season for the class at large is going to produce some surprises guys that really maybe aren't on that power five uh, conversation right now. When we get into December, they're going to be hot topic kind of names for the early signing period with marquee programs, because Look, Jerry Cross, for example, he hasn't played since his sophomore season. He was on the radar early. When you're six foot six, you know, 230 pounds plus now, it, it helps that, that, that you stand out. But he hasn't played live action football since 2019, and he will not until this fall. There's a lot of guys who did not evolve, uh, you know, establish themselves early, like, like Cross, who've been out of, uh, out of the spotlight. They may look a lot different. They may play a lot different when kickoff comes in September, late August, wherever the state is. I just still think there's going to be some risers. I don't know if that will affect Penn State, but I think particularly where you're going to look at is in state. You got to keep a close eye on, on, on local programs, you know, within that two, three hour radius where a guy may jump off and you want to get to him before, before teams start lining up. I just think it's a really, it's, it's such a, it's such an element that we've never dealt with, Sean, the kind of unknown factors with this recruiting class. I don't want to you know, spend too much longer on it because it's kind of a, a non-Penn State. It's more of a national conversation. But when you get these guys back on a high school field in their senior seasons, there's bound to be some breakouts and very well may could see that happen here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure it, just to limit to Pennsylvania but the, or the region or anything like that, but we're looking at camps and things like that. And and I built a profile, kid named Zion Tracy from New York. And, I, you know, Penn State's probably – I mean, they're they're full at wide receiver. This kid's 5'11", 170, whatever. Um, but he came to camp at Penn State this weekend, d- didn't have a profile, had a couple of offers. I think Temple was probably his, his biggest offer. He went four four one and and with like a ten seven broad. And it's just like okay, where'd this kid come from? Uh, <laughs> now you got to back up the tape and see if he can play. But he only played three games. So um, that those are the kind of things that that I'll be intrigued with. Like I said, I'm not sure that these guys will leap enough to get to Penn State level. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense, I'm not trying to insult any of the schools that or any of the players or any of the schools. But it'll be interesting to see just a, if a guy can come out of nowhere and all of a sudden just jump onto the radar and then maybe pass up some of those guys that have been on a lot of schools radars for a long time that maybe you're just not as sold at. We, we talked, uh, we've talked in the past about guys that will show up and do the visits, but maybe won't work out at camp or something like that, or, or, or do one of those private workouts that we see uh, going. So it, it, it's all an interesting balance balancing act, especially at positions like wide receiver, where there's so many of these prospects with, with similar measurables and similar productions and things like that. So um, just a very interesting subplot for the, for the nerd side of recruiting because it's it's going to be all over the board over the next six months and by the way after a one-year absence in 2020 penn state's seven on seven tournament back in action this friday you're going to see high school programs across the region making this trip so maybe uh, well definitely a strong opportunity for penn state to kind of assess some guys that are already uh they're already well aware of and maybe have offered already or are considering offer but i would anticipate there will be at least a cluster of recruits uh, whether they're sophomores or juniors who penn state really didn't know about um and, and maybe they walk away feeling uh like like it's someone that they should have on their list at least to monitor moving forward it's the kind of opportunity to get so many recruits on campus is a bit overwhelming, uh, but it's nice to see that that's happening again after uh, nothing occurred on campus in 2020. So another step forward uh, for the uh, off-season calendar here at Penn State. We're going to take a quick break at Lions 24-7 uh, podcast. When we come back, uh, what is still missing from this Penn State 
recruiting class for 2022. Uh, we'll look at the key positions that are uh, still in dire need of an addition. Uh, class is about halfway built. Uh, so what's still out there? What's uh, waiting in the five-star mailbag? That's another wide receiver topic. We'll get to that in just a moment. Stay with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sean and I spent the first half of this show discussing the new addition for Penn State, some of the pieces they already have on board for the 2022 recruiting class. Twelve guys committed at this point, Sean. We're projecting that to be about half of the eventual class next signing day. Some big positions uh, remain missing pieces. Uh, running back, I think let's start there because of who we've had come through campus here during the last couple of weekends. Omarion Hampton, uh, Nick Singleton, of course, the two headliners. Uh, you had uh, Ramon Brown come to campus as well. Um, where do things stand at running back? And, and obviously coming off of a Notre Dame visit, I know plenty of our listeners and readers are very aware that Nick Singleton is not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and you can add Katron Allen to that list. Visited earlier this month. Uh, Damari Alston's going to visit this weekend in terms of uh, running backs. So the 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 net is still wide. But yeah, Singleton's the guy in the crosshairs right now. Steve and Brian both flipped their picks, or I guess Steve put in a new pick. Brian flipped his pick from Penn State to Notre Dame. Notre Dame really impressed him this weekend. I don't think there's any question about that. And, and there's definitely some smoke there. It's it's one of those things where felt very confident in, in Penn State uh, Penn State's chances with Nick Singleton coming out of his visit a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden Notre Dame's feeling confident about their chances. And I don't think he's ready to announce. Um, I don't think he's ready to, to, to decide or anything like that. See uh, where, where that lingers, but I think Notre Dame certainly made an impression this week. And it really, that was not uh I don't want to say it was unexpected because these these kids are going to these schools and, and having a great time as as we've talked about so many uh, so many times during this cycle and was, I forgot George Petaway is going to visit this weekend as well um, he's a really good one uh, sorry I got the list in front of me so that's how my mind works um, but uh, yeah Singleton is is definitely a, a huge battle right now and that's Penn State's trying to. Um, keep him home. They, they made a really big impression on, on Singleton and the family in the spring. I, I think they felt good about their chances based on their conversations with the Singleton family after the visit last weekend, but Notre Dame did some work and, and continues to do some work. So um, I, I, don't know that I would have put the, uh, you know, and, and this information is, is coming from multiple sources. So it's not just coming from one staff or the other staff or, uh, the family, the kid, whatever it's, it's multiple sources. And, and if you're Notre Dame, you probably feel pretty good about where you stand right now. So, um, Penn State's got work to do there. Of course, they had Omarion Hampton on campus this weekend, who's right up there with Singleton at the top of the list. Um, again, North Carolina seems like the choice and it seems like it's, it's been a, uh, it, it seems like it's been one of those um, 
recruitments that we, he ends up closer to home. Sorry, I just, just stumbled over my words there. He ends up closer to home. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's very very tough because to, because we're we've been talking on this podcast about okay, you land Singleton or you land Hampton, and then you pair him with a Ramon Brown, a Petaway, an Alston, a Catron Allen, or something like that. And now all of a sudden, those two top targets, you can make an argument that they would be leaning away. So um, still in a good spot for some really good running backs, but this is not the, this is not the way they drew it up. No, and again, coming off of a cycle in 2021 in which Penn State did not sign a high school running back. Remember, they went the transfer route, bringing in Baylor senior John Lovett. So he's a one-and-done member of this Penn State roster. They're going to have to uh, address running back with a young infusion, and you'd like for that to start with Nick Singleton. You mentioned uh, getting to Notre Dame. He started off the month at Wisconsin. He still has an Alabama visit ahead, and the anticipation for some time has been a summer decision from Nick Singleton. So we'll stay tuned on that. Of course, Brian Doan has been all over it. Sean's been all over it. Stay, you know, look for more updates on Lions twenty four seven as that continues to evolve. And he's um, going. He's going to A and M today and Alabama yeah. this weekend. So we'll see what what happens to that. I, I think uh, you know those are obviously two very um, uh, the high. That's some high level competition right sure. there. Yeah. yeah and, and so a couple uh, in the SEC and uh, spoiler alert, I'm sure he will say glowing things about each visit coming out of them to our 24 seven sports re- recruiting team. So anticipate him saying nice things about other schools, campuses, staffs, etc. Doesn't mean Penn State's out of the conversation. He had a lot of nice things about say about Penn State, he had a lot of nice things to say about Wisconsin. I think we said that last episode. If you're following these official visits one by one, don't look for someone to say, well, that was a dud. I'm never going back to that school. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think if you're, if you're Penn State, you want him to enjoy enjoy A&M you want them to to enjoy Alabama to sort of get that Notre Dame shine off the visit and that's you mm, know good point it's it, it's one of those things where you've got so much coming at you in a short period of time and I think that this is beyond Singleton this is the entire class is that you've got just everything being thrown at you in the space of a month and you're trying to make a decision based off of you know 30 days of visits and that's going to be very very tough for some of these kids well, that's really all I wanted to focus in on uh, on the offensive side of the football because well I shouldn't say that we've got some work to do on the offensive line does Penn state. Um, but I really wanted to shift gears and go to the other guy who has been there front and center on your big board month in month out, along with Singleton, denied Dennis Sutton and that edge role that Penn state needs to fill. They got work to do on the defensive line. We know that. Um, but, but when I look at the edge, an area where the elite level of college football, you're bringing in elite playmakers and they're getting after the quarterback and they are changing the complexion of games. Penn State just had a couple all Big Ten defensive ends move on to the NFL. We've seen them throw linebackers at that position, transitioning guys. And then we've seen them sign project kind of prospects in the last few cycles at that spot. Then I, Dennis Sutton, to me, and I know you agree, he's not a project prospect. He is a plug-and-play kind of prospect at the Power 5 level. He's the headliner here, but edge rusher to me just seems like a spot you've got you've to really win the day with, with this recruiting cycle for your roster's sake. Ken Talley has a lot of promise there. Um, and then I, Dennis Sutton, to me, another top 100 prospect like Singleton, you know, completely understand why he has been number one on your board for some time. Yeah. And that, and that's such an important position. And I know there was a small debate on the board about it, you know, versus Singleton's usually been my number two on the big board. Um, so, you know, but, but Dennis Sutton as an edge rusher, I think is, is the most important prospect left in the, in in the class. And, and, you know, he's a number 64 in the composite overall right now. And I think he's just going to keep going up. I mean, this kid is phenomenal. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he went to visit Alabama this weekend. Everybody's going to enjoy Alabama, but I think Georgia's still the main competition here. Um, potentially going to go 
back to Georgia at some point and, and check things out. But, you know, you, you, you look at, uh, I guess, in your, if you're Penn State, you're the you're the small horse in this race. I mean, let's be honest here with Georgia and Alabama. Both have recruited the lights out. Um, both have just everything that, that you could want as a recruiting school uh, going for them. Um, but Penn State, I, I, I hesitate to say that they've weathered the storm, but they're still in it and they're still, um, you know, communi- communicating with Dennis Sutton on a regular basis. He's still receptive to what they're saying. So very interesting um, how this, how this one has played out. And, and we knew that we're, we're coming into June. This is, this is recruiting against two of the top three, maybe four, uh, programs in the country in terms of a, a recruiting rankings, and you debate Georgia's underperformance all you want, but that's uh, that's kind of how this 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 thing has has taken off. Um, but edge rusher beyond there, um, hosted J- Joshua Josephs last weekend, feeling very good about Keon Wiley, the Imitep uh, standout. Is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive end? We're going to throw him in that edge category. Anto Saka was on campus this weekend. And Tyrese Fierbury, uh, this is the, probably the most surprising thing coming out of the weekend. Just mm-hmm. flat flat out told Brian Dome, Penn State leads. And that's a kid that uh, I, I think, you know, a bit impressionable because Pitt, Pitt's been there for so long. And he's, you know, he's probably going to go to Auburn and say really nice things about Auburn this weekend. Um, but to, to come out of that visit and, and say, okay, Penn State leads is – that's a that's a shot across the bow, and I know, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners don't want Penn State to be competing with Pitt, but for a city lake kid, as as well as they've done with those that 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 kid over the last several cycles, for him to come out and say that that's a, that's a big deal. So um, you got to like where Penn State stands coming out of that. Like I said, there's probably some waves to come in that recruitment. I'm sure he'll get back to Pitt at some point. I'm sure they didn't like to hear that, and uh, you know, got on him right away. But uh, that that's a fascinating one to me because. You know he's six five, two ten, probably a little bit more of the project uh, of a project. He's coming out of the city league, so there's going to be some development to do there. But in terms of a frame, I mean, they don't get much better than than Tyrese Fearbury. So um, those are a couple of guys on the edge, and, and it, as you said, they that that's a very important position because of the guys that they've brought in. You know, Bryce Mostella is probably still not going to be ready to go this year. Davon Townley is not going to be ready to go. Uh, Rodney McGraw not ready to go. So the guys that they've brought in are a couple of year projects. So you need some sort of stop stopgap, and it's good they've got Arnold Abakete to do that, and Adisa Isaac's coming back, and, and you know hopefully we see a jump from him. Um, but it, it's not deep, and if you look over the next couple of years, you're going to need some serious development out of those guys. So a guy like Dennis Sutton comes in, and, and and all of a sudden is very important. So yes, that that edge role is probably the most important on the defensive side of the ball. Now there's 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 numbers to be had. In the defensive backfield, you know, Jaden Bellamy visited a couple weeks ago. KJ Winston, the safety from DeMatha, visited a couple weeks ago. He's going to be on campus again this weekend for team camp. Cam Miller from Florida has set up a visit. He's probably a, a hybrid corner safety. So, um, you know, you you still look at what they're doing. And, and we haven't even, we didn't even talk about Christian Driver, who we have as a, as a wide receiver, but I think everybody you know, it's kind of the, the, the pokey in the ribs type secret. Hey, this could be a better safety. Um, so there's still, um, numbers out there. There's still guys that you feel pretty good about if you're Penn state, but I, I agree with you. Edge rusher, such an important position in, in college football, such an important position for the development of this defensive line over the next couple of years. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's where you got to fo- focus your energy right now. It's so important to me for Penn state to find someone that they feel like they can, Fit, you know, put get out there for meaningful reps as a true freshman. A lot of the, you know, if you bring in a guy like Tyrese Fearbury, 
down the line, maybe he's a really special player, but if he's coming at six foot five, 210 pounds, you watch him, you can't quite figure out where his fit's going to be. You think it's going to take a couple of years and kind of that incubated on campus environment to get him ready, maybe year three, year two, like some of the other names we talked about just feels like if you can, and, but look, everybody in power five football wants to find an instant impact edge rusher. And that's why then I Sutton is a very busy man and, and, and logging all these miles. Um, I, I was starting to write down defensive needs in this recruiting cycle. And then I said, well, why am I doing this from a position standpoint? Every phase of this defense, Sean needs a jolt for, on the recruiting show right now. It's not that they haven't, you know, put in good work with with top prospects, and it's not like they they've been you know, doing their diligence. But again, this is a very offensive heavy collection of prospects. Um, you got up to nine guys. If, if Makai Flowers ends up at receiver, that's nine guys on offense out of the twelve. A punter is also committed in this class, so we've really got two guys pegged as defensive players in the entire class, and in, in, in Tyrese Mills, um, and uh, and who am I missing here? Uh, Ken Talley, of course. So. I mean, when I look at this linebacker, defensive back, front, defensive front, out of those three phases, what do you think Penn State stands to grow the most between now and September? I think it's I think it's right there at the edge rusher. Um, you know, and it's that's probably not fair because defensive backs, you lump in corners, you lump in safeties, they're probably going to take four of them. Um, so that numbers will always kind of sit. It's kind of like wide receiver on offense. Numbers are always going to side with defensive backs. And, you know, we've seen over the last uh, few cycles that they'll try and take all the corners they can get, make them safeties. They'll make safeties, linebackers, et cetera. Um, so I think that's probably, you know, from a number standpoint, defensive back, from an important standpoint, uh, right there on the edge at the end. Um, but uh, linebackers is a, is a mystery right now. I don't think there's any question about it. They're going to bring Michael Wing up to work out today. He was already on campus to uh, uh, to, to work out for the the camp and and had a very good camp, uh, the whiteout camp in, in June. Excuse me, on June second. Um, but really, Wesley Basanth is out there. Omar Graham committed to Florida State. Um, Jay Sean Barham was up for an unofficial visit last week. He would be a huge piece if they if they went to do that. But yeah, linebacker. If you're looking at the biggest mystery of what's going on, I think linebacker's got to be it. Barham is a top 100 prospect, and Sean reported his visit last weekend. And and, and by the way, Sean, noting uh, Christian Driver because you did. He tweeted uh, just last night on Monday evening, uh, no longer uh, visiting Wisconsin this weekend. Sounds like there was uh, some communication issues between him and the Wisconsin Badgers uh, coaching staff or recruiting staff it, it, it based on the reporting out of 24-7 Sports Wisconsin's end of things. Um, seems like great news for Penn State, though. I mean, long story short, he just coming off of a visit to campus with his parents. We already mentioned his dad, Donald Driver, former Packers wide receiver, was coached by James Franklin for a year there in Green Bay. There's just a lot of things pointing in the right direction. And this is one that you've been pointing toward yourself uh, really since, you know, last year about one to watch for Penn State. And it's all starting to feel like the pieces are coming together in the Nittany Lions favor. Yeah, Christian's always been intrigued. I think it was about getting mom up and and making sure that maybe this was not too far. Um, it's interesting because when I checked in, and and this is something I talked about with Evan Flood uh, before that driver news came out. When I checked in with him, there he's like, I don't even know that that visit's happening. And when I checked in with with other people on driver, I said, Oh, he's got that visit to Wisconsin. They're like, I don't think that they're a factor here. So for, for that news to come out wasn't a big surprise. It kind of was like one of those things where everything just comes together at once, and you're like, Huh. 
That does make sense. Um, so, so with driver, I'm not sure that, that Wisconsin, but, but I don't know who the competition is. Like I asked mm. and followed up and, and someone told me Texas A&M and I follow up with my A&M guys and they're like, no, he's, he's behind several people and Oklahoma has been thrown out there. And I know his offer list is fantastic, but looking at what he is as a prospect and looking at some of his numbers and, and where some of these schools stand um, with, with their targets, I, I, you know, I don't know who else is, is pushing really hard for him. So it'd be interesting to see if he ends up anywhere this weekend or if he decides that okay I, i've seen enough or maybe i want to wait to the fall and t- check out some games i don't know which direction it's heading but right now you know you got to feel good if you're penn state and it sure seems like the penn state commits are are pushing pretty hard uh with with you know, pushing's by the wrong word but but they are certainly making him feel welcome to this class as they're doing with a few other priority guys uh, as we said before strong peer recruiting presence in this 2022 cycle for Penn State, despite all the circumstances, you figure that element will grow next weekend, Sean. But we'll preview that uh, later with episode number two this week, because this is the weekend that the commits had circled for some time, uh, getting back to campus, having a chance. I don't want to move the conversation onto our mailbag quite yet, because Drew Shelton, speaking of commits, was on campus last weekend, uh, fresh off of that Florida Gators official visit in Gainesville that gave everybody some concern. There's been other programs mentioning as possibly hosting the four-star offensive tackle who's now down at IMG Academy, uh, Pennsylvania's top offensive line prospect in the 2022 cycle, committed to Penn State last September. I know you're still sorting things out, speaking to sources, trying to get together with Drew for a conversation. What's your sense of things compared to maybe where they were last Friday morning when we last recorded? I uh, should have a better idea today. Uh, Drew asked if we could interview today on Tuesday instead, and that's you know that's his prerogative. So um, you know y- you you would like to think all, all official visits are good, but you'd like to think that that Penn State made some progress there, especially with with the family and and really it's it's a lot to deal with a kid a northeast kid going to IMG um because it, it it's a different type of uh, of person that you're used to being around it's a different type of prospect coming in from all over the country and it, and it really let's be honest has not been great for Penn State I know they got Noah Kane and KJ Hamler there's been success success stories there um but for for the kids that you know you think of of Lewis scene you think of all these kids that that have been in the northeast and you thought okay Penn State's a either a leader, a commit, you know, they haven't committed or something like that. And things certainly change. So uh, if you're a Penn state fan, you don't want to see these kids flocking down there. You don't want to see these kids uh, checking things out. And I know that IMG really moved to 23 prospects and they've got a bunch of kids on their team from Virginia and kids from New Jersey, Cam Lenhart from New Jersey, who was on campus at Penn state last week, uh, transferred down before his junior season. So it's not great. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. And, and, and you see that in a, in a kid like Tyler Booker, Tyler Booker was what he's a new Haven, Connecticut kid high on Penn state down there for a while, puts out a top, top list and Penn state's not on it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it's played out with a lot of those guys. And, and, you know, they're, they're working hard to sort of counterbalance that, but there's not a ton that you can do. I mean, just in, in, in the big picture of things. So Shelton, you know, when he went down there, I'm thinking, okay, outside of Bo Perbula, they're not, they're not that much more solid than, than Drew Shelton in this class. And, and things have certainly opened his eyes and Florida state's still in it. Georgia's still in it. Notre Dame a little bit as well. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him pop up and, and take more visits. He, to me, with with Shelton, you want to get him to the dead period. You want to get him to, to next week, <laughs> past next weekend, um, try and keep him 
you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's, he, last I checked, we, he was home in Downingtown, but he might be back in Florida now. Um, but you want to get him to the dead period. And then it's a, it's a matter of getting him to the season and, and making him feel comfortable the whole way through. So he's not, uh, you know, and that, that could be something where, where it changes this week and all of a sudden he's locked in, but it, it, he's not a guy that you want to write off for these uh, potential extra official visits. We'll keep an eye out for, for what follows your conversation with Drew, if that's able to happen on Tuesday. Um, I know you had the write-up after his most recent trip to, to Beaver Stadium. So keep keep uh, tabs on that. Sean, one other thing here before – I know I said that was the last thing, but we – I totally like six by- other things for us. I yeah. totally bypassed the offensive line when talking about – because offense feels like it's it's already so far along with this class. Offensive line, though, I know there's a lot of questions. Who is going to fill out the remainder of this class because – uh, there's guys who, you know, earlier in the process looked like Penn State was going to be the choice, or, or and now maybe Penn State doesn't like them as much, or maybe they've looked elsewhere. You had Malik McNeil join Drew Shelton in in May. Now we've gone through three official visit weekends. More offensive linemen have come. Are we any closer toward maybe seeing this group? grow and get to the point where there's not as much mystery left because right now it feels like there's a few names including a couple who really weren't on the radar going into the spring yeah i think you got to circle jb nelson i put in a crystal ball pick for him recently um the 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 junior college prospect out of lackawanna came to camp uh earlier this month and did really well andre roy who we mentioned earlier this in this episode he was up this weekend quiet kid just a checked in with people, not just at Penn state, but other schools that, that he's being recruited at. And uh, you know, he just does not say much. He put out a top six. I'm not expecting, excuse me. I'm not expecting him to decide until the fall. Uh, Alessandro Lorenzetti, who we talked about last week, had a great trip to Michigan. He saw a, cr- a couple of crystal balls go his uh, go their way. Be interesting to see if he does make it back to Penn state this week. Not completely convinced that, that he will. Uh, Austin Firestone from, from Florida as a kid that uh, maybe a defensive lineman at the next level, but uh, Penn State's been been staying on him, so um, there's still names out there, but obviously not uh, not as much as you like. Uh, of course, Gunnar Givens visited this weekend. I still think he's going to end up at Virginia Tech. Uh, so for those next two, maybe three spots in this class, so you, you feel really good about Nelson. But beyond that, there's a, there's a bunch of mystery. That, that is a, a board that has really evolved quite a bit with the new names and uh, and what you're realistically looking at Penn State and, picking up on the recruiting trail. Well, and that's and that's one of those positions where you know these guys are you know, six, six, 320 or six, you know, there, there's so many body types. There's so many, um, athletic, uh, I don't want to say deficiencies, but there's so many differences between these athletes. And, and that's probably the position where it fluctuates more than anyone. So, um, I think it's very, uh, interesting to see how Phil Troutwine's board has changed. I think there's guys that were on that board early that really found themselves off that board based on workouts and numbers and things like that. So I, I just am, am curious to see which direction that goes. Of course, Ryan Rubaker's still out there. He's still visiting, uh, schools, uh, but you know, he could fall into that category of, you know, maybe they just don't love them. So it'd be very, very interesting to see which direction this goes. I don't think there's been much outside of JB Nelson that they've seen at camp. Lawrence Eddy came in and worked out and was very impressive, but uh, it seems like he might be heading to Michigan. So it's uh, it's very interesting to see how this is going to develop. It's it's kind of like linebacker. You're, you're not sure um, which direction it is. I think there's probably a little bit more clarity um, with, uh, with the names of the prospects right now. Um, but uh, yeah, you're wondering when that's going to take off. 
you got a couple of quarterbacks on board. You've got a, a group of wide receivers. You've got a top 10 tight end. Still have work to do at offensive line. Still have work to do certainly at running back on the offensive side of this recruiting class. And our five-star mailbag, Sean, leads us right back to that wide receiver situation. Uh, here is the question. And, and by the way, uh, it comes from uh, a, a a listener who is moving to California. They're, they're, they're going to be leaning on us more than ever on the podcast. They had a lot of nice things to say. So we appreciated that. I want to get to the question, but it was like about two paragraphs of compliments about our show and about Sean and I. So thank you very much for that. Let, let me get to your question. And that user's name, by the way, Willard Preacher. Um, here is the question. Regarding the wide receiver board, does taking Tyler Johnson uh, shut out a guy like Darius Clemens? Or is there enough positional flexibility with guys like Makai Flowers and, if he commits, Christian Driver to, to bring in both Johnson and Clemens as this wide receivers group? And will Lonnie White's impending draft decision have any impact on that outlook? A reminder about Darius Clemens. Uh, incoming wide receiver, bigger bodied wide receiver, top prospect uh, out of the state of Oregon uh, from the Portland area. And, and he'll be coming to campus, a close friend of Caden Saunders, who will also be with him on campus for official visits this weekend. Take them all, man. In the, in the, the age of the portal, take as many as you can, uh, because that's, that, that's really how those things have developed. And I think we're going to see more schools taking that approach, loading up at certain spots, even if, you know, they maybe maybe it doesn't make sense with the uh, with the scholarship roster. But in terms of taking Tyler Johnson, does not shut out Darius Clemens, does not shut out uh, Christian Driver. I think the timeline is is interesting here because you've got Darius Clemens who wants to make a decision later in the process, potentially in the winter, maybe take some of, uh, officials or unofficials this fall to check out games. Um, so that kind of folds over to the second part of your question about Lonnie White. His decision, we're going to know that in the next couple of weeks. Um, so does that, does that factor into that? Uh, does, does that factor into potentially holding a spot for Clemens or, or driver? Yes, a little bit, but the timeline really sets up as such that it doesn't really um, change much. Um, so yeah, I'm in the opinion, you take all those guys um, that they saw enough from Tyler Johnson that they felt he could, he could belong into that group. And I think it's going to be a really, really good group come signing day. Um, Clemens, you can't count on an Oregon kid, uh, no matter how many good things he says about you and how great the relationship is. You can't count, count on a kid that's going to come all the way across camp or excuse me, all the way across country, a little bit further than all the way across campus, <laughs> um, to, uh, to eventually make a long-term decision. So it's not like this is a situation where you, you feel like you can, um, you know, slot him in there and, and go the distance without having him actually come out publicly and say that he's committed. Um, so you, you've got to take uh, Johnson. Now, if, if driver jumps on board, you got to take him now. And with driver, with Makai flowers, you've got positional flexibility as such where you're just adding sort of best, uh, best player available, best athlete available to, uh, to your secondary as well. You're putting that ATH next to those names at this stage, right? Flowers, driver, when you're when you're marking down this class, and maybe that changes down the road, but right now is that's kind of the category that they would fall under. Yeah. And if you look at what's in the receiver room, I mean, you've got guys that are eventually going to move on. You've got question marks there. You've got young guys that are that are good that could eventually move on. So I, I don't think that the receiver room is really um scaring you from taking extra guys at this mm. point. No, and I think this receiver room complexion, to your point, there's guys who feels like they're kind of hanging on by a thread with their Penn State future. It needs to happen right now. And then there's guys that that are going to move on because it's going to be time for them to move on. So opportunities here. And, and Lonnie White, by the way, is going to figure uh, his situation out pretty soon. July 11th to the 13th is when the 2021 Major League Baseball draft uh, takes place. We'll, we'll find out what is on the table precisely for Lonnie White and, and how that will factor into his decision regarding Penn State. 
drop your five-star mailbag question on Apple Podcasts, include a five-star rating and review. Uh, throw us whatever you're looking for, recruiting, upcoming season stuff. By the way, Sean, this Saturday, I know we're getting the seven-on-seven tournament back to campus on Friday. That's a great step forward. This Saturday marks 10 weeks until the kickoff of this season for Penn State in, in Madison, Wisconsin. And by the way, uh, Big Ten Media Days are now scheduled July 22nd, 23rd in Indianapolis. Lines 24-7, flights, hotels booked. Mark Brennan and myself will be there. Something we didn't get to do last year. New venue. It was in Chicago before. It's in Indy this time. But barring any changes, that's going to be our first chance to go face-to-face with Penn State coach James Franklin, Penn State players. Uh, just really excited for that. And, and Sean, it's just, you know, all these things together, it just it's it's great vibes for a college football world. A little bit better than it was a year ago, huh? <laughs> no kidding. Way better than it was a year ago. Um, anything else to get to on this episode before we wrap up? No, not really. Oh, congrats to Carl Nassib. Awesome. Awesome job. Um, you know, it's, it's so tough to, to, to walk that, those lines and um, really if he's happy, that's the, that's the best thing. Um, one of the, the best stories that we covered coming out of Penn state and just continues to do great things. Yeah, walk on turned all American, uh, really special. Um, that's going to do it for us here on the Lions 24 7 podcast this time around. As mentioned, we got another big official visit weekend to preview later in the week. We'll be back with that. Anything pops up on the recruiting trail or regarding this Penn State roster, we'll bring you the information. I'm scheduled to speak with a couple members of the Nittany Lions staff this week, so hope to have some feedback coming your way in the upcoming days and into next week. For now, stepping aside on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24 24- podcast from producers matt damon and ben affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band u2 kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on paramount plus go to paramount plus to try it free terms apply